0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Well, let's jump right into today's teaching of FIRST, our series that we're in. The first week of this series, I spoke to you about the principle of FIRST. We looked at Genesis chapter 4 where God was pleased with Abel's offering, but he was not pleased with Cain's offering. The Bible says that Cain grew his crops and eventually he got around to bringing God an offering, but he did not offer his first fruits to God. His brother Abel, on the other hand, brought the firstborn of his flock. And I told you, God's not satisfied with our leftovers. God wants our total trust in him in every aspect of our lives. God wants our first. Then the second week, I gave you the solution to every care and every concern in your life. That if you can practice this, I promise you, your life will be better. According to Matthew chapter 6, we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and let him take care of the rest. All these things will be added to you. He must, or, or rather, we must be careful not to let our kingdoms get in the way of his kingdom. And we have a tendency to build up our kingdoms here on earth. We've got to tear our kingdoms down, build his kingdom up, because seeking the kingdom of God first acknowledges that he is king and you're not king. And then last week we read from Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus told a parable about day laborers that were hired at the end of the day. And then at the end of the day when the the, the owner of the, of the property was passing out the paychecks. Those that were hired at the end of the day got the same pay as those that were hired at the beginning of the day. And obviously, according to the parable that Jesus told, this did not sit well with those that seemingly deserved more. And I told you that in our day-to-day lives, we want to be blessed first. We don't like being skipped. We think that we have this entitlement to a blessing. And if anybody's going to be blessed, God, let it be me. Let it be me first. Uh, Jesus said that the the first will be last and the last will be first. And in this awakening moment last week, this aha moment, I explained to you how when we get to heaven, it's going to be a photo finish is what it's going to be. Uh, That the only way that the first is last and the last is first, the only way that that happens is if we all cross over at the same time. 1 Corinthians 15 and 52 says in a flash. Photo finish in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Man, I don't know about you, but that brings so much comfort to me to know that we all get to enter into His glory. I know the Bible says to be be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I know the Bible talks about a sleep. And I believe that those who have gone on in Christ, who have gone on, experienced death here on this earth, I believe that they are at a peaceful rest in the presence of our Savior. But at the moment their eyes are awakened and at the moment that we are called up, those that remain, we are called up, I believe that we all get to step into that moment of of glory all at the same time time because the first is last the last is first and we all get to be there at the same time and Jesus was teaching his disciples with that parable that even though uh, when it comes to e- eternal blessings that whoever, whoever puts their trust in Christ gets the same Reward. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian since you were a kid or if you're 80 years old and you give your heart to Christ today, we all get to experience eternal life there in that moment when the last is first and the first is last. Amen? I am not a fan of buying new consumer products. Take, for instance, when the first smartphone came out. I wasn't the person that just took off right down to the to the store and bought the first iPhone. That's that's not who I am. I, I knew that there would be some kinks that needed to be worked out, some bugs in it that needed to be fixed. And besides that, I didn't have an extra $499 laying around to, to dish out. And so that helped me make my decision also because I'm a cheapskate. But that has nothing to do with today, and so I don't want you to focus on that. The point is I knew that there would be some problems with it. Now, Pastor Andrew, on the other hand, he's rolling in the money apparently because he had the first iPhone. I mean, right when they first came out, I mean, Wasn't that four gig, the four gig that you had when it first came out? He had it. He had it. And I remember we shared an office at that time, our office space for the church. The church was much smaller and our office space was very limited. And he said at one side of the office, I said at the other. And I remember when he first got that phone, we were both so amazed with this smartphone. And he would turn around at his desk and he would show me certain apps. And the apps were very limited at the time, but we were just totally amazed. And he would, you know, hand me the phone and let me look at it, you know, and I was living, vicariously through Pastor Andrew during that time. A little jealous, a little jealous, but you know, knowing that I'm still making the right decision, that, that there's some bugs that needed to be worked out, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. And that's the way I kind of live life. That, that I, I just don't want to buy something right when it first comes out. I will consistently wait when they release new things and just wait to see how it all works out. I'm still using an iPhone 5. And and some of you in the room, you have graduated and moved on. You know, even though it came out uh, six, 16 months ago, the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus, I'm not there yet. I'm still waiting. Not because I think that there's still bugs in it. I think they fixed most of that kind of stuff. I'm still a cheapskate. That's the, that's the real deal. And so I just want, but it's going to have to happen sooner or later because my phone is getting extremely slow on certain days. And so I'm going to have to, to break down, but I will, I will wait, uh, when they release a new operating system for an iPhone or, or for an iPad or, or even for computers, I, I anticipate that there are going to be bugs that need to be fixed first. And so I will just hold off. I mean, that's why I'm still using windows 95 and, um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not uh, only because it doesn't work on my Apple, but, but I would, but You can agree with me that it's not always good to be first. You know that. It's not always good to be first. If you are the first to buy a new model car, the first time that that particular model comes out, you may experience some problems until the manufacturer figures out all the recalls. And and, 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 and until then, you're going to have what you may think is a lemon on your hands. If you are the first to eat at a new restaurant, you may experience poor service until they train all the servers and all the cooks properly. Some of you have been there. You've experienced. My, My kids, they ate at a restaurant recently. And from what I understand, it's a new restaurant. The service was poor, but we all know that that improves with time. It gets much better and then it gets worse again. And that's why they go out of business. But, but there are even things in the Bible that I would not want to be a part of. First things that happen in the Bible that I'm glad that I was not there. Glad that I was nowhere near that scene. I mean, think about it. First person to die. Somebody had to be that guy. Somebody had to be that person, the first person to die. Now, God may have been pleased with Abel's offering, with him bringing the first of his flock. But Abel was that first guy that had to die. I'm glad that I was not him. I'm glad I didn't have to be that person. Think about the first plague. Imagine being in Egypt when the Nile River turned to blood. That was the first plague of the 10 plagues that God sent. Imagine being there in that moment. The Bible says that all the fish died in the water. Can you imagine the stench that was there when thousands of fish die, And you have to walk by that every day. That's your, that's your freshwater drinking source. But yet you can't drink it because of what's happening. I'm glad that I wasn't a part of that and, and there for the first plague. Or, or think about the first martyr. History tells us that Stephen, young Stephen, he will forever be memorialized as the first to die for the cause of Christ. And I'm not sure that any of us want to wear that same tibble, title, or at least I don't think we're ready to wear that same title. Some of us, we have uh, you know a hard time living for God. What makes you think we're going to die for him? I mean, there are things that I don't want to be first in. I remember when I was young, my family went with my dad to a pastor's conference. And, and this was a yearly event. Every summer, my dad would have to go to what we called camp meeting. And it was a, a time when a lot of the pastors and their families would come in. And it was a time of spiritual renewal for the pastors and a lot of politicking that went on also. And, and so me and, and my brothers, we would love to go because the place where we stayed was right on Tampa Bay. The hotel that my parents would pick was right on Tampa Bay, and other pastors would bring their families to this particular place, and, and we would all stay there. And so we had our, our you know, summer friends that we would hang out with for that one week, and, and, and it was a great place. They had a couple of swimming pools. They had putt-putt golf. They had tennis courts. The basketball court was right on Tampa Bay. From the basketball court, you could look across and see the city, across the bay, and see the city of St. Petersburg, and you could look over there and see it. And when they built the dome, you could look over there and see the dome shining in the sunlight. And it, it was just an amazing place for us as young boys to be. And, and we would always love to go swimming. You know, you want to be the first one in the pool, man, you know, the first time. And, and we would get so excited. But, but there was this one particular time that my brother was a little too excited, a little overzealous about this. And so he he didn't wait, he didn't go in and inspect the pool, and they had remodeled the pool and 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 changed the the you know the, the sculpture of the pool a little bit. And and he just took off running and he dove right into the pool and he didn't realize how shallow it was. And my brother broke his collarbone right there. And so we're at a pastor's conference, we're staying at a hotel, a resort. Or motel that is a resort, and we have to take my brother to the emergency room to get his his broken collarbone x-ray. Needless to say, being the first in the pool that day did not pay off for him. Now, there's this event that takes place in the Bible, where there were people who also fought to be the first in the pool. And I want us to go back, and I want us to read about this moment in history where people were fighting to be first in the pool. And if you will, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, I'm going to start reading at verse 2. John 5 and verse 2. The Bible says, Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades, Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Where the sick and suffering silently experience their pain. Where the bruised and battered wait for the help that never seems to come. Where the failures and the forgotten Live lives of quiet desperation. It's there where we find Jesus at the Pool of Bethesda. But that's always where you'll find Jesus. It's like Jesus is drawn to those who are desperate, heartbroken. It's like he's always there for those that need to be fixed. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You couldn't even invite Jesus to a good funeral because he would fix it and raise them from the dead. Wherever there was heartbreak, that's where Jesus was. And it's there that we find Jesus. In, In this moment of recorded history, we find Jesus there among people who are desperate for their lives to change, the Pool of Bethesda. It was a natural spring, and it was rumored that people could find healing there. There was a legend that an angel would come down and stir up the waters. And when that would happen, the legend said that the first person who could get into that water would be healed first. You couldn't be second. Couldn't be third, definitely couldn't be the last. The first person who got into the water would be the one that would find healing. They have, they have excavated that and they have found what they believe to be the Pool of Bethesda and the, realized that there was a natural mineral spring that was there. The mineral water at this pool was probably great for those who were struggling with some type of skin disorder. If they had psoriasis or even leprosy, I'm sure that that natural mineral spring water would bring healing to their bodies. And so you can imagine how this began to grow as people began to to say and and the word began to travel that, that if you can get into that water first, I mean, there had to be some kind of standard, right? Because everything in life is about competition. And if you could be first, the first one in, then you are the one that is going to find healing there in that that particular body of water and that spring. It's a lot like what we have here in Florida over in St. Augustine, you know, the fountain of youth. That it was believed at one time, if you could drink from the fountain of youth, that you would you would not grow older, or you would have an extended life if you would drink from that particular body of water from that particular fountain. And I'm sure that it had its its, its minerals in that water too that, that 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 had some perks to it. But but you and I both know that. That, that healing wasn't going to necessarily take place in that moment because those that had those skin disorders, I'm sure that it was good for them. And if they only knew, I don't have to be the first one in. I can just go over and just kind of bathe around in it. And if I do that enough times in enough days, then my skin is going to improve. But it wasn't uh, 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 as helpful to those that had a more serious and crippling disorder or disease. It was simply a legend. But that didn't keep those that had more serious problems away. These people that gathered at the pool, they had a glimmer of hope. And you see, church, I have figured this out, that if somebody just has a glimmer of hope in their life, it can change their entire outlook on life. And ultimately, it can probably change their circumstances with just an ounce, just a glimmer of hope in their life. Somebody here today, you need to know that a glimmer of hope is what you need. That when you are at the bottom of life's ladder, that there is only one way to go, and that way is up. And that's where these people were at. There's something to be said about these people that believe that their life can get better, even if it's in a fairy tale, even if it's in a legend or an old folk story. If they just just believe, if they just have that little ounce of faith, it can be life-changing to them. It's interesting to me that John refers to this paralyzed man as an invalid, Now, most of us in the room, we've heard that word before. Most of us, we can determine what what he means by that. We know that John is saying that this man is one who is sick, who is suffering from disease or disability. We get that. We understand the word invalid. But there is another pronunciation for this word. There's another way to say it, and it's invalid. Invalid. Not able to make a difference or to be productive. You know what this is like? when you have an invalid driver's license It is useless to you. If you get pulled over with an invalid driver's license, there is going to be trouble for you. It will not help you at all if the license is invalid. If you have an invalid credit card, it means it cannot be used to purchase anything. It is useless to you. And these particular people that gathered around this pool, the pool of Bethesda, every day, these people were invalid to society. They were useless to society. People didn't have any use for them. They would walk by them day after day. They would see them begging on the streets. They would no doubt would walk by the outer court of the pool of Bethesda. And and, and they would see these people there. And they would probably just stick their nose up in the air and keep on going. Not wanting to have anything to do with these people because they were invalid or useless to society. Some of you, you know this feeling all too well. Because you felt invalid before. You sit at your desk every day as people walk by and they don't even know the pain that you are going through in that moment. They ask you how you are doing and you fake a smile. You tell them things are good. Because you know they don't want to hear it. Some of you, you eat lunch in your work truck by yourself on most days. Watching cars go by as you eat your sandwich, those cars that go by, they don't know of your dreams of owning your own business and how those dreams went out the window with child number two because there is absolutely no way anymore that you can step out on your own and do what you want to do. So you feel invalid. Some of you, you sit at home just longing for the phone to ring and for just one person, just one friend to invite you to lunch. But that phone never rings because everybody else's life is busy and you just feel left out. You feel invalid. Verse 6 says that when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, I love this verse. I love it. I love that John points this out, that Jesus walks by, he sees this guy there. Among all the people that are there, he, he he focuses on this one guy, and he knows that this guy has been there a long time. Now, now I don't know, John doesn't tell us how Jesus knew this. I don't know if it was just a divine knowledge, because he's omniscient and he knows all. I don't know if that's it, and he just looked at him and, and could read his mail. You know, sometimes God does that to us. He just looks at us and knows exactly what we're going through and how long we've been going through it, and just reads us like a book and it may have been that it may have been divine or it may have been natural it might have been that every day Jesus went by there are numerous times Jesus went by there and he happened to see this particular invalid this guy that didn't matter to society he saw this guy day after day laying there by the pool of Bethesda somehow some way it got the attention of Jesus Jesus noticed when nobody else would And when life has rendered you invalid, church, if you can just hold on to a glimmer of hope, you just might be able to encounter the Savior. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so somehow, some way, you've got to find that ounce of faith. The Bible says that we've all been given a measure of faith. And even if that measure is small at the moment, you have got to find some way to have that glimmer of hope like these people did around the pool of Bethesda. You've got to have something that says, if if I can just be the first one in, if I can just, just experience this blessing, maybe I will be able to walk again. Maybe I will be able to see again. Maybe I will not have this skin disorder anymore if, if I can just get in there. This invalid could not move himself. When the waters were stirred which they believed was probably the spring releasing and the waters would begin to stir without any help he knows that he will never be the first one to get into the water, that the odds are stacked against him. But it's interesting to me because even though the odds are stacked against him and he knows that it doesn't look good for him to ever be the first one in the water, for some reason, he's still there. He still has some kind of hope because he's still there. Somebody has, has still brought him there, laid the mat out, laid him down, and he still has hope. But he can't get into that water by himself. But that doesn't keep him from trying. I picture this guy trying to get as close to the water's edge as possible. And when everybody else is talking among themselves, I picture him laying over on his side, watching the water. You remember when you went fishing as a kid? And you would watch the cork because if you got a bite, you would see that cork go under the water just a little bit and you'd see the the rings of water come around and then you would set the hook. you remember that feeling? I picture that man being like that, laying on the water's edge and and as he's watching just to see if there's a ripple or anything, just maybe he has a chance. If nobody else is paying attention, and he's certainly not going to bring it to anybody else's attention, Because he needs to be the first one in. Because he needs to be healed. And so there's this glimmer of hope. There's a little bit of faith there that just maybe I'm going to be that first one in. I love the first words that Jesus says to him in verse 6. Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to be healed? I mean, do you want to be healed? Duh. I mean, it just sounds like a cruel joke. It, it sounds very redundant to some of us. I mean, of course he wants to be healed, Jesus. The man can't walk. What, what else would he want? There's nothing more in life that he wants than, than, than to walk. Do you want to be healed is what Jesus says to him. But but I want to tell you that this was a very good question because I know from my experience and years of counseling with people that not everyone wants to be healed. Some people find their identity in being the victim. I know I'm not talking to any of you right now. But you've met these people. They find who they are when circumstances don't go right because they like to bellyache about it. They like to complain about it. They like to make sure that everybody knows that life is unfair to them. And and they find their identity in their mishaps. And they walk around singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. It becomes their theme song. But you have life worse than everybody else. Let me in, let, let you in on a secret. You ready for this? Everybody sit up straight because you've got to get this. You ready? When you think your life is bad, there's always somebody else that has it worse. I don't care who you are and what your circumstances are. There's always somebody that has it worse than you do. And your victim mentality is what is keeping you down. It will not allow you to experience the healing power of Jesus Christ because you have found your identity in being the victim. I remember this, this news article from 2006 about a man by the name of Curtis Gokey. And he was suing the city of Lodi, California because one of their dump trucks backed into his car. And so he filed a lawsuit for the $3,600 to cover the damages. The interesting fact about this particular lawsuit is that the plaintiff, Curtis Gokey, was also the city employee that was driving the dump truck. And, and I'm not getting this wrong. The facts are correct. Curtis Goki backed into his own car in the city dump truck. And decided to sue the city because of it. And, and just, just so you don't walk out of here wondering, the city rejected the claim, arguing that Goki was the author of his own woes and pointing out that he was effectively suing himself. Now, I tell you that because I want you to know this. Some of us, we need to realize that we are our own worst enemy. We might not be an invalid... But we are perfectly fine being invalid. We like when people ask us, how's life going? Because we like to moan and complain. And I can think of some other words that I can't say in church. We (laughs) like to do that. We like it. Because that's where we find our identity. We are comfortable wearing the victim's label. And we don't even try to get to the pool to be healed But there were people there at the Pool of Bethesda that they had faith. If I can just be the first one in that water, I am the one that is going to receive the healing. And and even if I don't buy into it, it's at least worth the try because my life is just that bad. And this man, this invalid that Jesus encountered, happened to be one of those people. And so Jesus asked him, he said, do you want to be healed? And the man explains to Jesus at that moment why he can't get there. I don't know about you, but this gives me so much hope. Jesus, God incarnate, he knows all. Omniscient. There's not anything that he doesn't know, but yet he takes a moment to listen to this man's gripes and complaints. I am so glad that I serve a God that does not dismiss me whenever I go to him in prayer. And it sounds like sometimes I'm saying, woe is me, God, woe is me. Though I know he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Though I know that that every good and perfect gift comes from him. Though I know all of these things in my mind, he still takes the moment and takes the time for me to complain to him and say, God, why is my life so bad? And Jesus stops and entertains this guy's thoughts for just a moment and allows him to tell him. And the guy begins to tell him, I'm trying to get into that water. If I could just be the first one in. But every time I start to move, every time I start to roll over, every time I start to, to crawl and, and, and pull my way that direction, somebody beats me there. Jesus listens. And Jesus looks at him and says, rise. Take up your bed or take up your mat, this thing you're laying on. Get up, roll that thing up, and get out of here. And the Bible says immediately, say immediately. Immediately, That man did what Jesus told him to do. He rolls it up, gets up, and walks out to the point he doesn't even stick around to find out who Jesus is. Later on, he's questioned about it, and he has no idea who to tell them. He just says, this guy walked in and told me to get up and and walk, and I did it. You know, some of us, we need that kind of faith in our lives. We need that moment where we hear hear that still small voice of God speaking into our lives and it says, go, do this, do this, and you're going to experience something great in your life, but yet we are so comfortable in just being sick, or we're just comfortable in being messed up, and we're just comfortable being a victim all the time, and he's telling us, get up, pick up your mat, and get out of here. Go experience the life that I want you to experience because this is not what I have planned for you. I'm convinced that some of you are already healed and you just don't know it yet. That he told you to get up a long time ago, but you are very comfortable being in that place where you're at. You like laying around the pool because it's around that pool that everybody else complains and moans and gripes and everything else. Misery loves company and you just like hanging out with them. He speaks to our lives and he says, get up and get out of here. You see, there's no need to be first. There's no need to be the first one in the pool when living water is walking right by you. There's no need. He told us this in Revelation 22 and 13. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You see, he's the first one that you need to see and the last one that you will ever need. If you can get that into your mind and you can get yourself out of the way and realize he is the first one that you need to see and the last one that you will ever need, then you will understand how he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You will get that. But there's no need for you to be first because he already is. One last thought, and then I'm going to close this thing out. Imagine if this guy would have succeeded in being the first one into that water if the water is troubled, if the water starts to spring up and according to that legend if he's the first one in there though they couldn't see an angel they're believing that an angel is doing that If this guy was successful at being first, he might have some pretty good skin when it's all said and done because of the mineral water, but he's still an invalid. He's going to have good skin while he's sitting on the bottom of the pool, drowning. If he's the first one in, he never gets to see the Son of God come by. Some of you are wanting it so bad. You're wanting to be the first one in. And you are missing out on the son of God that's walking by your life. Looking at you saying, you don't have to stay in this place. I've got something greater for you. Get up, pick up your mat, and get out of here. But you've got to stop trying to be first. To experience him. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.